This is the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Bounty Hunters, we don't need that scum. A Utini Patreon exclusive featuring Star Wars news and discussion beyond the expanded universe. I have never met a Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. And now, it's time to collect those credits. As you will. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. So we're going to jump right into it, man. we got two episodes to record today. It's a Sunday afternoon. And my friends, welcome to... Bounty Hunt, a Patreon-exclusive Utini podcast where we hunt down all the extra content in the Star Wars universe. I am your host, Eric Eilerson, and joining me on this week's hunt is Dr. Corey Helton, and our mark this week is the Clone Wars Recap, Seasons 1 through 3. Corey, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, man. Oh, we're recording this on a weekend. Uh, Corey and Charles's schedules for doctoring... Um, are even more insane than usual, so we're switching up the schedule this year. That's right. Charles is on ICU still. He's almost done. And Uh when he's done, he said he doesn't have – he did OB and ICU back-to-back, which had a lot of hours, and he said he won't be as busy after that. And then I'm finishing up my night shift next week, so hopefully I'll have at least several months where we can have actually normal episodes, hopefully. But we say that now. We say that now. (laughs) Right. Who knows? But because of that, uh, Corey and I are going to be double recording today. So in your Patreon feed, we'll see how that comes up. We're going to do this Bounty Hunt episode and then a little Q&A for our Inquisitorious level. But my friends, this is our first episode of Bounty Hunt that doesn't involve the Mandalorian. That's right. Uh, If you missed any of that, if you're a new patron, welcome. We covered every episode of the Mandalorian series on Disney+. And now in preparation for the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars premiering on February 21st, we are going to be going through the previous seasons of The Clone Wars and talking about our favorite arcs, talking about kind of what you need to know in preparation for Season 7. Now, Corey, you just did a rather massive Clone Wars rewatch pretty recently. Yes, not on purpose because I had the flu. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the flu. I've talked about this, I think, on the main show. I was bedridden for a solid five days. It was absolutely awful. But what else to do when you're sick? but watch Star Wars. That's what I did. Funny story, Eric, to get a little sidetracked here, that's actually how I got my wife into Star Wars. Really? Is, yes. So when we were in college, we, we had not been dating very long, um, freshman year of college, and uh, I got I got really sick, and then because you know we were still in that honeymoon phase all over each other, she yep. also got super <laughs> sick. So uh, uh, like my roommate abandoned the room. He's like, I don't freaking want that. You guys just stay here, and I'll go find somewhere else to sleep for a couple the days. College quarantine, love it. That's right, college quarantine. So Caitlin and I sat on my sofa and watched uh, like literally all six films, like in in like a couple wow. day period, I think. And and she was like, and you know, I'm sure you've had this experience with significant others before. Like you know every. Everything. Like, we know everything about these movies, right? Mm-hmm. So you can point out all these background characters. And I think it just, like, yes, it was goofy and kind of lame that I knew all this stuff. But also, like, it was fun because, like, I know all this fun stuff that makes the movie more enjoyable. And I think my passion just came across in that. She was kind of into it after that point. So That's it was exactly just... what happened with, with me and Charlie when we were watching A New Hope. I'm like, that's a crate dragon. She's like, what is that? I'm like, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> right. It makes it fun. I think it makes <laughs> yeah. it fun for folks. As long as you're not obnoxious. There's like a there's like a, a safe <laughs> level of talking in movies mm-hmm. that's acceptable. And if you don't cross that line, then you're good. So Exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I recently finished all the Clone Wars, uh, cause I got really sick and I think I might have actually watched season one and two a little bit earlier in the year. So I'm going to, I'm a little more rusty on season one and two. We're going to talk about some of those arcs, but I think I watched three through whatever, six, is that how many? Yeah. Six, yes. three, three through six in, in like a four day period, which is 
man, that's yeah. that that that's that's wild to me, and absolutely a life goal, nonetheless. Not being sick, but just doing it in that short amount of time. Uh, honestly, though, if I had told you I wasn't sick and I just watched five seasons of Clone Wars, you probably would have believed me anyway. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, ouch, slow night shift. Something basically. I would do. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I I watched all of Clone Wars last year, um, because again, I'm getting my girlfriend into Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Clone Wars was a huge part of her introduction like she likes clone wars right. better than the movies like she's like this which is, is the case for a lot content. of people yeah nowadays. absolutely yeah. and i think there's a valid um case for that so i got to watch it for a second time through her eyes and i found things that i loved a little more and stuff um so all that to say we are both huge clone wars fans now Corey, you just did your th- recent seasons rewatch have you ever done the chronological rewatch because clone wars famously is not aired in chronological order. You know, I tried to start that uh, one time, and I found it to just be a giant pain in the ass. Like because mm-hmm. like Netflix is not a very I don't I hate the interface for Netflix. I've always hated the interface for Netflix. Now it's not on not on Netflix. Now it's on Disney Plus, and mm-hmm. I wish that they would just build a chronological order on Disney Plus. Then I might do it. But I tried it, and I think I watched. I think I watched the equivalent to like one season in chronological mm-hmm. order. So like 10, 12 episodes, something like that. Oh, it's more than that. Maybe like 20 episodes. I can't remember. Anyway, I tried it. I found it to be such a pain that I stopped. And I was like, ah, I'm never going to recommend this to anybody because you have to like find the seasons and scroll to the episode. There's just too much time between between episodes. There's something satisfying about just letting that, that skip episode bar just kind of run out. And then you just pick up where you, you know, wherever you're at. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way with you. I know a lot of people in our Discord have mentioned that they love the the chronological rewatch of it. It helps the arcs kind of hit a little more. And I do want to do it someday, but I'm I'm right there. I'm going to wait till Disney Plus hopefully puts out a chronological option. To be if honest, they, do. they don't have a monetary reason to do it, so they probably won't. But it'd be cool. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can just Google The Clone Wars Chronological. And StarWars.com actually put out an official post that nice. has I didn't know a that. list i think there's a reddit, um, reddit post i think that's what i followed or something like that also very helpful honestly they may have taken it yeah, um, probably but basically if you have a checklist of episodes you can go through it bounces around between like seasons three and one a lot and then by the second half of season three we, it's pretty much all chronological right um but final question i want to ask you man before we dive mm-hmm. into season one who is your favorite clone wars specific character and just for the sake of argument i'm gonna take ahsoka off the table because mm, fair enough. she she has become like she, she's I, the best clone wars character yeah she's I, the I best clone wars you could, character. i mean she's the she's like the most significant original character mm-hmm. from the clone wars and i don't i don't think anybody yeah. can really argue that so I, w- I would honestly compare her to like what thrawn was for the legends books ahsoka oh, yeah. is to the canon Maybe even yeah, to canon. Maybe and, even bigger and animation. I mean, I don't yes. know. Maybe the biggest character in animation. She's really done uh, really great things, and it's such a fan favorite. Man, there are so many young young girls that are just really into Ahsoka too, and like my wife loves Ahsoka. So I love it. I have her lightsabers right above me. So nice. she is she is nice. the one. So, so not Ahsoka. Who is your favorite favorite Clone Wars, Clone character? Wars character? I really like all the stuff that the Clone Wars did for Anakin. Like, oh, it's yeah. it's it's it is. I can no longer. So, uh, uh, important question, I guess, for you, Eric, is like, how many times have you seen all of the Clone Wars now? I've probably gone through all of the Clone Wars a total of twice. Um, okay. I've seen many arcs, like I've watched Mortis, Umbara, Rookies. Like I've watched some of the main ones, like three or four mm-hmm. or five times. Yeah. Uh, but to go from top to top to bottom twice. Yeah, I think I've seen the entire, maybe not in order, but on and off. I've probably seen every episode probably three or, three or four times at least mm-hmm. now. So, like to me, like. It's all familiar enough that I can remember dialogue and things like from the Clone Wars. So I can no longer watch the prequels without seeing Clone Wars Anakin and his yes. development in that show. So, like, 
like it, that's it, it took it took that for me to to understand his angsty weirdness that happens yeah <laughs> like between episode two and three of the film so it just adds so much to it and, and he just has so much development like like he just he cared about his troops so much so i don't know i just i love anakin in the show and he, he does have some pretty annoying characteristics occasionally he doesn't follow orders a lot that screws things up is pretty annoying oh, um sure. his his little arc with uh with clovis pisses me off to no end he's a jealous abusive asshole in that entire yep. entire arc and that really pisses me off so he's not a flawless character but you know you never said they had to be flawless exactly and i think he's he is well-rounded in that way and he definitely has a, a glow up if you will from the prequels to the clone wars in a way that i i haven't really seen in media you know it it is it is the complete redemption if you want to call it that of a character um to the point where matt lanter's voice is even more recognizable to me as anakin um so i i'm right there with you i'm also going to throw in uh captain rex from my own Mm. point of view oh yeah he is my favorite clone he is one of my favorite characters period now and i think why i love him so much is his evolution throughout clone wars in terms of being like the perfect soldier when we see him to starting to question the philosophy of war to oh, an yeah. extent and, um, and the role of clones he's like the only one one of the only people that sort of voices that sort of stuff and doesn't he have some dialogue maybe i dreamed this does he have some dialogue in one of the new trailers that's something yeah. like something like what are we all going to do after the war's over doesn't he ask that i think he yeah, does he, he says like um we uh clones have mixed feelings about the war because if it wasn't for the war we wouldn't exist but yes. at the same time like he's kind of Man. voicing the idea that you know, this is my purpose, but I can also fight against it. Um, he has a great episode in, I believe it's season two called the deserter where, uh, he meets that clone that has left everything. And he kind of starts to think about it. Like if this guy can desert the army and create a life, could I ever do something like that? And the fact that he doesn't turn him in at the end kind of shows that Rex is the one that loves his brothers. He's the best trooper. Like he will get the job done, but, um, yeah, love everything about him. Yeah, totally, totally with you there, too. All right, so that's a really super brief recap of our histories with the Clone Wars. Now, let's jump into Season 1. Now, Season 1 of the Clone Wars is a little less arc-based than the subsequent seasons. What we mean by that is there's a lot more individual episodes that aren't necessarily tied to a larger story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more comedy in this one. There's a few more Jar Jar episodes. Uh, there's It's a little lighter tone. It's really kind of getting everyone into what this show is going to be. It involved the evolution of Anakin, as you were talking about earlier, and Ahsoka, our introduction to her. We learn about the clones as individuals. We really start to get the idea that they're all their own person. It expands the role of Jedi on the Council. We get some episodes that that focus around, like, Plo Koon um, and Kit Fisto, and we start to realize who they are. Mm -hmm. And it introduces the villains of the series. There's a lot of Grievous in this episode, and we get Cad Bane. Um, Yeah, totally. So, Man, I didn't realize they introduced so much in that 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 first season it's important to know too that they actually didn't introduce ahsoka in the season they introduced her in the film now did the film come first it did didn't it it did the film if you you guys know the clone wars film is heralded by many people as the worst star wars film and i have two minds about it because one is it a movie no i i don't think it's a movie it's like like a it's like it's three episodes yes it's a three episode arc from the clone wars yeah it should not have been released as a film (laughs) i don't even look at it as like a film um i don't don't know why so many people are so critical of that show because it feels exactly like the entirety of season one like if you want a a movie with a beginning middle and end then yeah yeah. that's not what it is it's three episodes of television (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think it's pretty much universally accepted amongst most fans of the Clone Wars, at least like adult fans of the Clone Wars, is that the season one is a little rough. Like it takes uh-huh. a lot getting used to. In fact, like people ask me all the time, one of the most common questions I get is like, how do you feel about the Clone Wars and Rebels? And like, I, you know, I'm thinking about watching. Uh, like I get this from a lot of my co-residents and, and my mm-hmm. medical residents. Yeah, I get a lot of uh, of dads. Like I'm, I'm kind of thinking about watching it with with my kids. Is it lame? Like I mean, can I commit to it? Like what do you think? And I'll say, well, you know, you can maybe skip season one if you're really worried about it, or just trust that it gets a whole heck of a lot better. And I hate giving that hate giving that as an excuse for any TV show because that, that's always a thing, right? They're like, oh, it gets right. better at season two, and that's always a thing when you're telling people about a TV show. And I hate to have to do that with the Clone Wars, but. The first season's a little it's a little hard to get into for me. Yeah, and that's why uh our arc for this season, hilariously enough, I'm already breaking in my rule that I made up because the arc that I've chosen technically combines an episode from season one and an episode from season three. Hmm. So what I've chosen for season one for us to talk about is rookies. It's season one, episode five, and technically that episode comes after Season three, episode one, Clone Cadets. Remember how we yeah, said it was confusing? That's not, that's not confusing at all. Thanks, George Lucas, for yeah. making the Star Wars universe even more confusing <laughs> than it already was. <laughs> so this arc, as we're going to call it, this mini arc, follows the clones of Domino Squad as they train to be clone troopers, essentially. They're being trained by Shock T on Kamino. We get to see them in season three, episode one, try to become a team. It, it's, that, it's that trope of the individuals that don't, play well together and they're not going to fight together until the end of the episode where they finally realize they got to put aside the bickering and become the clones and that they're supposed to be and then back in season one we get to see them on a mission uh where everything starts to go wrong sacrifices have to be made and we get rex and cody uh obi-wan if you know from episode three commander cody they come in and meet those clones and it is i think the first episode in Clone Wars that really makes the clones feel like individuals. And I think it really kind of sets what the stakes of this animated show can be. That's right. And, and the, you know, we only get this season one, episode five and season three, episode one is like the only like kind of directly chronological uh, related arc, if you will. But the characters introduced in, in rookies are, important throughout the entire Clone Wars series yeah. and we even this doesn't even count like the very end of the of the show either right where they go back no. and no, yeah so we get the introduction of 99 in that series uh. which is fantastic so 99 is like a you know the quote-unquote bad batch clone I mean he's got some deformities and he's like a janitor and he's like written off a lot and it's it's a, it, man it's such a really great heartbreaking yeah. story because he he's he's the one then he, he never got a chance, and we get the clones of, of like Heavy, Echo, Fives. That's right. Um, all talking to him, and he says, "You know, you'll get him next time, boys. Like, it's just okay. You know, I never got my shot, but I believe in every one of you. Like, he, oh, man. He, it, he's the best. Like, I'm getting and emotional just thinking about he, it. Heavy gives him his medal at the end of uh, at the end of is that season three, episode one? Is that what I is believe that what that so. Is? Oh my god, that's yeah. Oh, he Jesus. says you're one of us now. And, yeah, um, that's 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 our the the first episode of this where they're like training on Camino and stuff is not only one my favorite episode from the entire first season. It's one of my favorite episodes, period, in the Clone Wars yeah. because it's like you get that peek behind the curtain about the clones on Camino and like all that stuff is my was you know you guys have heard me talk about. I didn't realize that episode two. Uh, Attack of the Clones was like the quote unquote worst Star Wars film until I was way older (laughs) (laughs) because I just loved the clones as a kid. I thought they were so cool. And I I, had the Legos, the the clone armor Legos were so awesome. So like Mm -hmm. I love the the clone stuff and rookies really, really does that well. 
And they really start to make you fall in love with these characters. When you get to the rookie's arc, when you get off of Kamino and you see the, the, the troopers that if you watch chronologically, you've already fallen in love with, they're on a post that's supposed to be a nothing assignment. No one mm-hmm. ever comes there. It's boring. And then, of course, because drama necessitates it, a giant mm-hmm. threat happens. And if they don't stop the separatists, then there's going to be a giant invasion of Kamino. Right? right. They're going to get to the clones. So we get Captain Rex and Commander Cody coming in for an inspection. And you get to see the badass nature of like what separates the shinies, right? Is what they call the Domino Squad. The guys that their armor is still shiny. They haven't seen combat. To the people like Rex and Cody who have like been in battle and have risen through the ranks and have become the ARC troopers. And like it, it, it's an awesome dichotomy of even though they're all clones, they are all different because their skill sets are different. Their experiences are different. And throughout this episode, you watch these guys that are arm wrestling and listening to music on the bass at the beginning, all like fun, turn into these guys that are, you know, grieving the loss of a comrade. Because spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this. Um, I assume that's why you're listening to this heavy sacrifices himself at the end of the episode. And he, he is the one that always went in first and thought he could take everyone by himself. And in, you know, 40 minutes of television between these two episodes to have a whole character arc exist of, I'm going to take everyone by myself to I'm sacrificing my life for my brothers. That's, that's clone wars for me. That's the clones. Yeah, and yeah. they really got the military stuff right too. Of like, yeah, um, of working together as a team to do things like the sort of pass fail nature of a lot of training. Like even uh-huh. even just the uh, just the nickname shinies that they created that for the Clone Wars is fantastic. Because like that's that's like an old that's like an old trope in the military of like uh-huh. uh, you guys have heard me talk about being kind of a World War Two buff. Like uh, you know guys that enlisted well before World War Two, they referred to everybody else that would come in and and re- kind of replace their you know their dead buddies and and their you know, companies and stuff. They were the replacements, right? So, like, they have nicknames, and, uh-huh. and they did that, and that was fantastic. And I love that they we got to see this, and they I, you you put it nicely. Like, I don't know how they captured it so well, but like seeing the experience and and like the the command potential, I suppose, of of Rex in comparison to like the the shinies was done really really well. It was very obvious who had the experience and who hadn't. Like, it was done well. Yeah, and I think. Ultimately, once you watch Rookies, once you start your Clone Wars watch, if you're just watching the seasons, you get through episode five, you will never watch Attack of the Clones or Avenger the Sith the same way. Because now you know who's beneath the helmets. And I think uh, between that and honestly, the first arc of the season with the malevolence with Plo Koon and his um, squad that are, you know, waiting for rescue, uh, it really humanizes them in a way that continues through the rest of the series. Totally. So we get through season one. And then we go into season two. This season got a little more arc-focused. There's a lot more Ahsoka episodes. She got a little more of a spotlight in this season once Dave Filoni kind of, you know, did a soft introduction because people weren't sure who she was. Now we got to explore her a little more. It introduces the Mandalorians and Mandalore to the canon officially. We got a lot more Cad Bane involvement, including an appearance by a young Boba Fett. And this season decided to play with genre a little more. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of the Geonosis arc that was a horror movie, basically. It got to say, we usually do sci-fi, we usually do fun space adventure. Now, what if we put everyone in the dark and it's a monster movie? So, this is when Clone Wars, you know, you got through your first season on a television show, right? You're not canceled. Okay, now give Filoni a little more rope. Give Filoni a little more rope. And that seems to happen in at least both of the animation projects he's done so far. Um... But out of all of these, 
we chose the arc called Death Watch. This is season two, episodes 12, 13, and 14, which takes Obi-Wan and brings him to Mandalore, which is now pacifist and neutral in the war, which is a huge shock to a lot of old Legends fans. Pissed um, off a lot of people back then, too. Pissed off a lot of people. You know, politics, they can't change in, like, 2,000 years. That's not possible. Yeah, Eric, well, just in case you didn't know. I, I You know, I, I had no idea. I, I thought it would be the same three on everything. And, <laughs> but hilariously, the great irony of, of people not liking Mandalore to be pacifist is that's the point of the arc. I know. Is that the uh, <laughs> the Death Watch, which is what the, the arc is named for, represent a group of Mandalorians that want to go back to the warrior ways of the past. And throughout this arc, they put the Duchess Satine in danger because they are told by Count Dooku that if they take her out, then they can rise um, and basically conquer Mandalore once more. Within this episode, we get Obi-Wan and Satine, which is a great coupling because we find out they had a romantic history. We get to have Obi-Wan and Anakin have some really great moments where Anakin starts to understand Obi-Wan a little more and maybe vice versa because they both have a secret love thing. Yeah. And... You get some badass butt kicking Mandalorian action. Yeah, that John Favreau was all directly involved in, if I remember exactly. correctly, right? Voicing Pre Vizsla, who is the antagonist for this arc. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. Corey, if you can remember back, the first mm-hmm. time you watched this arc, and you all of a sudden saw people in Mandalorian armor and jetpacks flying around and fighting Jedi, how'd you feel? I think, uh, I think this is about the time. Um, no, it was a little before that. So. To, to to go backwards a little bit, season uh-huh. two, episode five. I know the number. It's not in any notes we have, but I know this number. <laughs> season two, episode five is universally the uh, episode that I recommend to people. I, I say if you have a question on whether or not you want to watch The Clone Wars and you're having trouble getting through season one, watch season two, episode five. It's called uh, Land. It's called Landing at Point Rain is the name of the mm-hmm. episode. Damn, uh, nice. Yes, the episode is uh, start to finish combat. It's when they go back to Geonosis for the first time. It's the beginning of the Geonosis arc. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, man, the entire episode from start to finish is combat. Like, Kiati Mundi uh, uh, orders, like, some clone troopers to go in here and kill a bunch of Geonosians with flamethrowers. Like, it's so violent. Like, you see a whole bunch of people die. Like, it's just like... Holy smokes! This is like really good animation. So uh, that's that's when I knew that Clone Wars was getting good was season two. By the time we got to um, the uh, Mandalorians, I was like, this is when I was kicking myself in the head for not following the Clone Wars. Like when I was in high school and stuff, when this was coming out, like I was yeah. like, because I, I was dumb. Uh, I was young and dumb. All right, and I was a- like, a- Clone as Wars, was I. Yeah, Clone Wars is stupid. It's you know I don't know why they're doing this. Like whatever it's ruining the prequels and i'm like man what the hell was i thinking like what an idiot like the bringing the mandalorians the mandalorians is one of my favorite parts of the kotor games you guys know how much of i am obsessed with kotor and like the fact that we get multiple arcs in the clone wars not even just as one we get multiple arcs in the clone wars take place on mandalore and the introduction of the mandalorians i was like I was like, damn, man, this is incredible. Like, yeah. I, I loved it. And, like, this whole, like, going back to – I'm glad they didn't just wholly abandon the Spartan kind of warrior race thing. Like, uh-huh. that's the whole point of the arc is, like, talking about that still. And that's always been what the Mandalorian has been all about. So I loved it. I absolutely love the Death Watch arc. I love uh, – I love the romance between Satine and uh, and Obi-Wan. Like, uh-huh. when, he, when, he, when he tells her, like – if you would have asked me to leave the Jedi Order, I would have. It's like, holy oh, shit. Like Obi-Wan, is... the consummate Jedi. Like, yes, the one. That's right. And, like, like it just it, it just makes the Obi-Wan-Anakin relationship all the more heartbreaking because, like, he understood. He knew. Like, he knew about him and Padme. Like, mm-hmm. man, I loved it. I absolutely loved the Death Watch arc. 
Yeah, and I think one of the brilliant things about this arc, too, you touched on is its ability to conquer a giant theme of the Clone Wars, which is violence is fun to watch, but war is inherently bad. No one right. actually wants to be fighting. And mm-hmm. the the constant times that Satine calls out Obi-Wan in a way that kind of only former lovers can, mm-hmm. of like she, she keeps teasing at him like, oh, you're such a pacifist, nice lightsaber. Or like, yeah. you're such a contradiction. And, and really kind of makes him question his morals and what he's doing, all leading up to the climactic moment at the end of episode 14, where he is ready to kill, um, I forget the, the guy's name, the, the, the traitor. Yeah, the governor that is going to blow up the ship. And she has a pistol at his head. And they're like, okay, if you kill me, then great, you'll save the ship, but she'll hate you because you're not a pacifist. If Satine kills me, you're giving up your pacifist ways. <laughs> so, Corey, how do they fix this problem? Freaking Anakin just comes out of nowhere. And just oh, You don't even see Anakin. No. Like, he, he's sitting there with a gun to Satine's head, and then suddenly a lightsaber comes through his chest. And then, it, it sh- then he falls, and Anakin's standing there holding his lightsaber, and Obi-Wan's like... Anakin and he's like what somebody had to do it and just like yeah he was gonna blow up the ship he's like Jesus and there's and there's a vague little um imperial march sound in the background that's like it's just the first couple notes really Um, I never noticed that before yeah because Anakin was so nonchalant about freaking (laughs) murdering that guy in cold blood man he's like what he's gonna blow up the ship (laughs) like Like, and I think that really exemplifies this arc is that it introduces the Mandalorians and the lore of the Clone Wars. It tells us what the show thinks about the theme of war as a whole. And it also has a ton of character moments for Obi-Wan and Anakin. Like, yeah, there's so much there's so much packed. There's into a lot, these episodes. There's a lot in there. I, I really like the dialogue, too. Like when, when he's holding Satine hostage or whatever, and mm-hmm. she's like confessing her love for Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan has something oh. to say back. And he's like, oh, my God, what is happening? This is so stupid. That, like The guy says he's like, <laughs> yeah. what is what is going on right now? Like, it was really, really funny commentary on sort of break the fourth wall a little bit. It was pretty funny. Yeah. And and I think this this arc also does a really great job at showing us another side of Obi-Wan as a character. Um, when Satine is on the run, right? When she's hiding yeah. and he has to like hide her and, and he's like, we both serve the Republic. If you give yourself up, then, you know, we are, we are loyal. We'll be fine. And she's like, like, I love you, but you're kind of an idiot. Like, yeah. do you not see what's happening here? And there are so yeah. many broader questions to be asked at this point. And I, I think that, you know, we talked earlier about how the Clone Wars are such a great evolution for Anakin. And they mm-hmm. really take his character and, and elevate him to the favorite character of a lot of people. And I think even though Ewan McGregor is pretty flawless as Obi-Wan Kenobi, let, let's get that straight right now. Right. Um, Clone Wars Obi-Wan somehow even elevates that character as well because he gets to be a little more uh, fun. He gets to be a little more off the cuff. And this little hint of, hey, he was in love when he was a, when he was a teenager with Qui-Gon on Mandalore for <laughs> a year. Um, which, by the way, if Claudia Gray could write that book right now, that'd be great. Yes. Um, <laughs> anytime you want to. <laughs> um, man, I would love to see that. Man, think yeah. about the, like, the sort of get-in-your-head philosophical dialogue we would get from Obi-Wan. That would be incredible. Yeah. So, overall, the Death Watch arc, it hits how brutal war can be. It hits the stakes of our favorite characters kind of coming up against some huge threats, uh, both to their lives and to who they are as people ideologically. And it's just badass. So yeah, totally, super loved it. Season two really comes out of the gate strong. But then, but then Corey, 
we get to season three and season three man season three of the clone wars is is an all-time season i think um i mean from here on out they're really just cooking with gas in the clone wars they are writing whatever they want to write the the arcs get longer the emotional stakes get higher um the budget of the show clearly gets bigger you know the animation's Um, better and arguably season three is where the show if you want to break it down like this is where it hits its stride it brings in the Domino Squadron officially at the beginning of the season. So we talked about rookies earlier. It starts like that. We get to see their ARC Trooper training as well. It furthers the Mandalore plot. They bring that back because of its success. It plays a lot with the lore of Star Wars and the Force. You get that felony weirdness that he's going to put into Rebels a lot too. And you get the Night Sisters with Asajj and you get Savage Opress. And at the end of the season, it trusts Ahsoka enough as a character to put her on her own. She gets yeah. to basically lead an arc to end. Your your season finale is with Ahsoka, not with Anakin or Obi-Wan um, or Yoda, which shows her evolution as a character. And as we were looking at episodes from this season to talk about, it was it was super hard because it is so good. I could watch beginning to end season three forever. But as I looked in my heart, nothing really affected me in this season quite like the Mortis arc, which is oh, season yeah. three, episodes 15 to 17. <clears throat> I would arguably say that uh, the Mortis arc might be the most important for Star Wars lore out of any animation that's ever been done. Like, I think I agree. It does. Everything it, else builds on it. Even like the, yes. the Rebels lore stuff, which is incredible, yeah. um, mm-hmm. builds on Mortis. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, we get the question answered in a lot of ways. Is Anakin the chosen one? Because he actually asked that question, and and you know the the what's it, the father is that what it is? The father mm-hmm. answers basically answers that question because he could control the the sister and the brother. Like he is mm-hmm. the chosen one. Like so that's 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 very interesting. We get that, and then man, we get a lot of people screaming about. Uh, you know, I hate to bring this up, but a lot of people that have been really angry about the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. have been begging to see some of the Mortis stuff into that. So, and you know, I don't know if you saw the rumors, but the uh, there were rumors that. Um, the brother was originally set to be the villain of the mm-hmm. uh, sequel trilogy, whether that was, um, or at least have the rise of Skywalker instead of the emperor, yeah. it was going to be the brother. And I think there was some disagreement amongst that. No idea if that's actually true or not, but I mean, good Lord, like they, they considered if it is true, let's say it is true. It's so important that they would consider um, making, you know, a character from this animation arc yeah. to be and, a and main, think- the, the villain in a freaking film. Holy movie. crap. Which yeah. is crazy, and I think there were also some leaks in the Duel of the Fates Trevorrow cut that uh, said, like, Rey and Kylo would be fighting on the Temple of Mortis or something. Mm-hmm. like. There, So it, it's definitely throughout Star Wars lore. It permeated now, it, And if I remember everything. correctly, this is all, like, original George Lucas stuff, too. Yes. Like, like wasn't, wasn't the, like, wasn't the entire concept of this Mortis, like... Like this was like a how how he kind of talked about the force originally, if I remember correctly. And I think the word mortis is important too. I can't remember why. Do you remember why? I don't remember why, but does I that do sound remember. Fami- does that sound that, familiar to you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Filoni talked a lot about how this is this is pure Lucas, right? And right. We like we love George Lucas. Everyone, we owe him everything that we are on this show with Utini, with everything that we are. You can, you can love some stuff or not. Like there there were all those stories about his sequel trilogy being all about midichlorians and you know the the microverse and whatever it may be. But this Mortis stuff is straight from the mind of George and straight from the mythology that he envisioned, right? So yeah, that's how I like to think of it. the mind of George in the hands of Filoni is is kind of how this yes this came about because oh we get God, to see perfect. this we get to see this continued in uh in the Rebels show, which is all Filoni, so. Absolutely. So if you if it's been a while since you've watched Mortis, to recap, 
Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and Anakin uh, find a distress signal. It's, it's off. They have to go investigate. And when they get to it, they can't find Rex and Cody, who say they're at the same coordinates. And instead, they find this weird murky pyramid-type planet thing. They go into it. They, they like, all wake black up. out. Don't they, like, wake up? Yeah, yeah. they, like, black out, wake right. up, and they're on this weird planet called Mortis. And the planet is super, super concentrated with force energy. Um, it seems that with every time of day, the seasons change. It's very mystical, and they meet these entities called the sister, who is very light, the brother, who is very dark, and the father, who is kind of like an old shaman-looking man. He's gray, if you He's will. He's gray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's put that out in people's minds. <laughs> So you ultimately realize that these are force beings. They are basically the entities of the force. The sister represents the light side. The brother represents the dark side. And the father is the middle. And the father essentially tells Anakin that his time is almost up. And he has brought Anakin to Mortis because he's the chosen one that can balance. And Anakin wants to deny it. And through various trials, Anakin literally controls the brother and the sister at the same time. And there's a a magnificent scene where he causes them to let Obi-Wan and Ahsoka go, who have been taken prisoner. And as he rises them up, the, the, the time and the stars change in the planet and everything whirls around him because of his power. And he basically realizes that he is the chosen one. And throughout the arc, he grapples with that. They try to escape, but they're brought back. Um, he, the brother gives Anakin a vision of everything he's going to do as Vader in the future, um, which the father takes away because he can't know the future or else he, you know, he will basically change the entire timeline of the Force. And then, possibly the most important thing that happens in this arc is Ahsoka is corrupted by the brother, fights Anakin, and then is killed by the brother. That's um, right. And then, using the dagger of Mortis, the sister is killed. And then tra- Anakin acts as a conduit to transfer the sister's pure light side force energy into Ahsoka to save her life. So, from then on, Ahsoka is basically this avatar of the light side and rebels uh, the little owl. That is kind of the symbol of the sister follows her around all the time. And when they finally leave Mortis, all the force beings are basically destroyed and their memories are wiped. But now Anakin, for our set, our sake, confirms he's the chosen one. Ahsoka is filled with the essence of the light side of the force. And we as an audience now get to understand what the force is from the mind of Lucas. Like all in three episodes of animated television. It's incredible. Yeah. It's it's trippy as balls too, and oh yeah, like, oh yeah. It's so hard to <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to like get your head wrapped around a lot of the shit that happens in that's in that little arc. And man, it's so important and it's really crazy and it just makes you ask a lot of a lot of questions about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I, like, like did was did Anakin did Anakin is he the chosen one because he can sort of in a balanced kind of way yield the light side and the dark side of the forest. I mean, is that what he was doing when he controlled I, both the brother and sister? Like, I see think the, ultimately that's, that, that's what they're inferring at least. Right. That's what the father's trying to show him. But that, and that's, that's the thing. You can question. just, there's just, there's so many questions to ask that make you really scratch your head and think. And that's, that's so, what's so fun about being a star Wars fan. It's like, mm-hmm. like there's a lot to digest and think about. And that is definitely true for the Mortis arc. Yeah. And going forward, I think that the Mortis arc really gave every creator a playground because now like there's a place that literally shows what the force is and the conversations they have with each other and with the brother, sister and father really kind of expand what we know about the force and really makes it this mythological thing. It's less scientific. It's less brutal. It is more like a religion of sorts. You know, it's very spiritual and totally. Also, I think this 
episode does a great job at enhancing. We've talked about Anakin. We've talked about Obi-Wan. But finally, Ahsoka as the third yeah, part of this trio. Because, totally. you know, if if every trilogy has a trio of main characters, Clone Wars, it's definitely Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. Right? Totally. Totally. And she kind of has to save Anakin. And she she's yeah. the one... Man, I've never, thought, I've never thought about that. I really forgot about the whole light side energy transfer thing, which I didn't yeah. realize that they've sort of set the precedent for Rise of Skywalker with that. Like Exactly. And Anakin literally says, I will, you know, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he cares for Ahsoka so deeply that I will act as a conduit of force energy to let the entire light side of the force flow through me as the chosen one into Ahsoka to try to save her. You know, it's freaking nuts, man. It's, it's it's such a it's such a mind blowing moment of that show. It really is. The, like yeah. the entire just that entire arc is so mind blowing and trippy that just makes you, man, it makes you think so so much. Like who are they? Who are the brother, sister, the father? And like, like they're clearly some kind of ancient thing, right? And we mm-hmm. see them as that mural in uh in in Rebels. So like, are yep. they are they like officially dead now? Have they been around for like thousands? Right. Are of, they like, millennia? Like, like are they what's... immortals? Yeah. Like what exactly are they? And then like. Are they dead now? Did Anakin freaking kill him? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's the cool question about it. And, yeah. you know, you, you get to this point where all of all of our main characters interact with these immortal beings. And, yes, their memories are wiped, which I think can, again, not to bring up crazy controversial topics, but, like, in Rise of Skywalker, we have memories coming back and memories being wiped, and it doesn't quite hit you. But with this one, even though their memories kind of get wiped, the impact of the episodes isn't lost. Yeah. I think it's done very well. And on another note, this for me was the moment where I realized Star Wars animation, I think can be just as valid oh, yeah. as any other medium because oh, yeah. this, this arc, I honestly don't think works as well in, you know, literal filmmaking. Like, oh, I don't I, think so. It would have been, be been too, it would have been too trippy for sure. Yeah. Too, too literally. Like I can just, it would be, it would have been cringy and weird. I think, unfortunately, Oh, a- absolutely, and I think that just because something is animated doesn't mean it is juvenile. It doesn't mean it is inherently yeah. lesser than. Right. And I think that's why people that love the Clone Wars so much, you know, will fight for it so hard. Is because that's right. people try to infantilize the art form. They try to say that. Yeah, and I also, I also, it also, it's hard. It's hard for people to accept too. I mean, we should talk about that. Like, mm-hmm. like people, I think, fail to understand that that things that are done in animation often will not transfer well to 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 filmmaking I, I know there was a lot of talk about like really wanting some of like the mortis stuff to be really important in the rise mm-hmm. of skywalker and i mean it might be i i can't say that it's not yet like we, we might see some kind of tie into that with the novelization somehow right. I, I don't know but i just i really don't think it can be done really well because it's just too spiritual and that's i think that lucas realized that early on too because remember he had the force was originally like something about the book of wills remember like yeah uh, that are like uh, r2 and 3po were essentially telling the story to the like that they got from the wills who are essentially the spirits from season six, which we'll get into it in the next bounty right. hunt. Right. Um, and these wills had observed the force and they observed this story and were t- like, I know. So there were so many layers to it. And then someone was like, Hey George, this is, this is great, but you're making a two hour film. Simplify. Yeah. Simplify, right. simplify, simplify. Also, and... like we, we just need ships and guns in space, right, George? <laughs> right. So let's 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 just yeah. So George is crazy. I mean, he is. So, like, yeah, he, he's an art, he's an he's artistic he's an artistic genius. I mean, you can just listen to him talk, and you got to be like, yeah, this guy he's, he's got to be a little nuts or something. Like, right. uh, what was that movie? Thirteen Thirteen? Is that what it was? Uh, THX Eleven Thirty Eight. Eleven Thirty. That's what I'm trying to think. Yeah, the yeah. Thirteen Thirty is the video game. Like, you watch that shit. No, like, he made this stuff in college. It's just like 
George is a weirdo and a genius and a creative master, but like he gets lost a little bit, and and yeah. like he finally got to do that, and it could be done well because <laughs> it's animation, and because you can right. break you can break the rules in animation. Yeah, and I think that that's ultimately the the best thing about Clone Wars is that it Absolutely. shows Star Wars is so vast that it crosses so many mediums, and not every story has to be tailored to every single medium. You know, yeah. something in a book can take it that you can take your time with for 400 500 pages doesn't need to fit in a 30 minute tv episode nor does you know the entirety of a of a series need to fit inside a film like each medium serves a different purpose and we Absolutely. are very lucky right now because we get to experience all kinds of different ones which is why in the broader sense you know we at utini are so stoked that they're taking things like the obi-wan film and making it a show because they're like that's right we have more story so we need to expand it and we can so massive props to Clone Wars and Mortis for taking full advantage of the medium. Uh, real quick, I want to mention the runner-up arc for season three, just because it was so good, which is the Night Sisters arc, which is the three episodes that directly precede Mortis. Uh, so like the six episode stretch is Night Sisters and Mortis, which is a hell of a way to start a second oh, half yeah. of the season. Totally. Um, this involves Asajj Ventress going back to Dathomir, and we meet the Night Sisters. We meet Mother Talzin. We learn about dark side magic. We meet Savage Press. Like, whew, the, the the amount of Star Wars lore that this expands as well. Um, I know. Is now amazing. we have the, now we have an entire we have an entire like third of the game Jedi Fallen Order takes place on Dathomir because yep. of this entire plot basically. Yeah, and you learn yeah. that you know the dark side is not just the Sith. It there is dark side sorcery. There's a planet yeah. that you can tap into it. Um, same as the light side isn't just the Jedi, you know? Um, and I think season three really is Filoni's stamp on that is saying the 100%. galaxy is so much bigger than what you think it is. And then as they go into four five and six, it becomes the galaxy is bigger. The conflict is bigger. The stakes are higher. Totally. So Corey, looking back at seasons one, two and three of the clone wars, mm-hmm. if you had to pick one character who is the MVP of seasons Ooh. one, two and three, damn, that's a, big question like mm-hmm. the mvp the character oh man because yeah. i think the mvp we can agree is dave filoni yeah <laughs> but that's true if, if we yeah, had to pick anyone true. um maybe uh maybe pre vizsla uh might, might be a good one um that is a good see, one seeing how his character is very important in that entire mandalorian arc um it became important again much later on when mm-hmm. when maul conquers uh mandalore um and then now he is a character not not his character not, not him but some member of his family his also voice his lineage jo- voiced by John Favreau is in the Mandalorian all right so you know I, I would say that makes him by definition an MVP I like that a lot um it's a great choice I I I am stuck between um Anakin and Ahsoka myself I mean it is much of a write-off as it may I think, be. I think Ahsoka has to get uh, I think the she season, does. season three through six. Um, oh, that's true. MVP. Yeah, four through six. We'll wait. We'll wait. For, we'll wait uh, on yeah, that. That's right. Four through six. Uh, so yeah, season one through three. I'll say Anakin. I'll say Anakin purely because of everything we said earlier about Mortis. How man. Mortis alone, and also just his character, the the way Filoni and Matt Lanter really made that character what I believe he should have been all along is amazing. This is no shade to Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen did everything he could. Nope. Um, wasn't all his fault. No, no, not at all. And I think that the core of Anakin, 
you can e- you can easily follow from the Clone Wars to the prequels. And like we said earlier, watching episodes one, two, and three now, knowing about Clone Wars, it's so much more fun. And I think totally. Anakin benefits. Yeah, it makes it makes Revenge of the Sith a better film. Oh, <laughs> like God. unquestionably, the, yes. the, the Clone Wars does. It makes Revenge of the Sith a better film. And yeah, mad props to Hayden Christensen. I'm glad he's finally starting to get some. He's starting to get some love. Like he's kind of been gradually coming back. I got some email about uh, some Comic Con in like Boston or some shit, and in yeah, March Boston Comic Con, him and you and McGregor are going to be on a panel together. Like holy balls! Like uh, that's that photo op would be nuts. <laughs> oh my god! Totally, totally. Yeah, it's not. All, it wasn't all his fault. I mean, Samuel Jackson had bad bad dialogue. All right, so yeah. <laughs> and no one's going to argue that Samuel Jackson is no. not a good actor. So, eh, you know, is what it is. Exactly. Uh, and a real quick teaser, right? Speaking of uh, some of that dialogue, if uh, any of you all missed it, this past week the trailer for season seven of the Clone Wars came out, and some of the dialogue in that trailer was from Revenge of the Sith. So there is now a distinct possibility slash guarantee that part of season seven will be crossing over with episode three, and we couldn't be more excited. Uh, which is honestly why we're doing this whole thing, uh, Korea. Before we get out of here on this episode, because we have a whole nother episode to record right after this. That's true. Any final thoughts? I know we raced through them on seasons one, two, and three of the Clone Wars. Mm, I don't think so. I think uh, I think the majority of the time of the first three seasons spends a lot of time getting to know the characters that we come to become really attached to later on, like Ahsoka and Anakin. Um and even Satine, I mean, we get a lot of her, and even Jar Jar Binks for crying out loud, like has, has got some, some great decent, episodes. yeah, has some decent stuff in these seasons. So, um, first three seasons, there's a there's a lot of exponential rise in quality. I think mm-hmm. I would say that the very beginning of season two um, is when things really kick off, and you really start to feel feel like the show is improving a lot. The budget was clearly way bigger. By the time you get to season three, virtually everything from season three on is like worth watching. It's very yep. very good. The quality is there. The the animation is there. The action is there. Um, it takes a little bit to get started, but once you get to season three, like you're just like blowing forward after that. So, um, yeah, if you never watched the Clone Wars, we just ruined a whole lot of plot points for you. <laughs> um, but definitely go back and watch the first three seasons. No question. And to shout out a couple other people, there's some good Padme action in the first three seasons we didn't talk about, uh, featuring our Lord and Savior Bail Organa, <laughs> That's who right. gets some really great time. Uh, and a lot of the Jedi Council members really get some great stuff. A lot of good Yoda stuff, Plo Koon, Kid Fisto, like we said. So I, I honestly, I, I can't believe we're getting more next month. Um, and coming up soon, we will be going over that second half of the Clone Wars with seasons four, five, and six in a similar fashion. If you are a member of our Inquisitorious level, Corey and I are actually just about to go record our monthly Q and A session. Um, if you want to know more about that uh, and you're not on that level, uh, we'll tweet about it. Maybe we'll put in some samples to kind of show you how that's going to go. But, my friends, on that note, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Bounty Hunt. Be sure to keep your Clone Wars rewatch going, chronological or otherwise, and keep your eyes out for the next hunt when we'll be discussing the second half of this series. And if you are in our Utini Discord, head over to the Clone Wars channel. Tell us where you are in your episodes. Join up with a bunch of people doing the same thing and share your love of this series. If you're listening, then you already support us over on patreon.com slash utini, so we want to thank you so much for that support. Go ahead, tell us all your thoughts about the Clone Wars in that Discord community, and be sure to follow the main show on Twitter at LivingForcePod, and all of us individually for our latest thoughts about all things Star Wars. I'm at Eric Eilerson, Corey is at DocStarWarsMD, 
and Charles, when he's here, is at C. Hankel. And until then, tune in next time, brothers. You've been listening to the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Yeah? Good. To learn more about other Utini Patreon exclusives, visit utini.com. 